Join us and Neighborhood Cats for all you need to know about Trap New to Return, TNR, and Colony Management. You'll learn the basics and walk away with the tools you need to be successful in helping outdoor cats. Workshops are typically held the first Saturday of the month. Registrants will have the opportunity to earn a certificate. For more information and to register today, go to communitycatspodcast.com. You've tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we're speaking with Dara Sklar. Dara's business helps people become more streamlined in their work, volunteer or otherwise, and get more done, especially using the free or paid Google tools like Gmail and Google Drive that nearly everyone uses. This can be especially valuable to people whose work doesn't center around sitting at a computer. So when they do need to focus, they can be as efficient and productive as possible. Dara, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So first and foremost, I always have to ask this of all my guests, how did you become passionate about cats? I think it, w- it started with just one cat, one absolutely loving, adorable, you know, affectionate cat that won my heart. And it makes you having an experience where you actually have a specific cat that, that you just have a, a real strong bond with probably just m- makes you look at every other cat in a whole new light. So I have a friend who had a, a litter of kittens and she ended up keeping all three of them. And there was one in particular, she calls him my boyfriend. And <laughs> he was he was the one who made me, uh, well, he's he set the benchmark really nice and high for my for all other relationships in the future I might have with cats. Wonderful. So some folks listening might think, well, you know, we have we're talking about Google and Gmail and productivity tools. And what does this all have to do with community cats? It was actually, it was a question you asked me. And, you know, I think that efficiency, productivity, time-saving tips, tricks, tools are so critically important for those of us that are out there that are trapping community cats that are assisting, you know, in the community that are trying to remember which cat was here, which cat was there. There's all of this information, email, text, People get texts at one o'clock in the morning. I've got an injured cat. What should I do? There's all these different systems of communicating and information. I mean, it really is no different than, and, than another business. And you work with a lot of small businesses and helping them with their, with their productivity tools. Can you just share a little bit about what you do and how you help people? For sure. Yeah. So I, I started off by teaching, by, by releasing a course um, that teaches people how to use the suite of Google tools that we, you know, if you sign up for a Google account, you get access to a Gmail account, you get access to Google Drive and Calendar. Um, you have a Google profile. Some people who use Android phones also have the Google Play Store and subscriptions. And there's a whole kind of ecosystem that comes with every single Google account. And I'm really very familiar with it. And so I, I realized at a certain point that I was using those tools to a degree of efficiency that was I want to say abnormal, <laughs> like a little higher, a little bit out, outside of the range of what most people and like I understood it better. And I wanted to impart the the efficiencies that I have come up with in my life and business 
to other people. And what I love about what you're, you know, about you requesting me to come on the show is that volunteers, I mean, it's one thing that when you're in small business, you want to make sure you're efficient with your time, but volunteer time. I, I also work, I do work for a not-for-profit, not a cat related one, but when I am so sensitive to the demands that are being made of me or the one, the requests that I'm making of other volunteers, and I want to respect their time. And if you can make a volunteer more efficient not only can they get more done, maybe it means that they don't have to volunteer as many hours to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. So I think there's even more value in having a volunteer with efficiencies <laughs> than there maybe even is with a small business person who's getting more efficient. So, you know, I'm going to just try and do a little case study here. So say we have a, a small nonprofit that has maybe 20 or 30 volunteers and they're all working together, trying to, you know, help cats, foster some cats communicate with one another. They're all using their personal emails. And, you know, is there a tool within the Google space that a nonprofit can use to be able to help keep everything within the organization rather than, oh, well, Sally got mad and she left the board and she took all of the documents with her because she's the owner of them. How do we protect our organizations with all this information? Well, that's exactly what uh, what Google Workspace for not-for-profits can do. So for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Google Gmail has a paid version for businesses, but they also offer that exact, like all of those bells and whistles for free to not-for-profits. So you have to prove to them that you're a not-for-profit, but you can basically go and apply. And I don't remember the number of seats that you can get, but you know, probably for sure you can at least have 30 email addresses. And what it does is it allows, there has to be a tech savvy person available. Like there has to be somebody who's willing to set up that Google and then be the administrator. I would recommend at least having two administrators because the point of all of this and the point of your question, the word that you didn't use and I'm going to put in your mouth is continuity. And it's so important because again, volunteers are volunteering their time. They don't have, I mean, nobody has any obligation to do anything forever and let alone volunteers. And we all know that there are people who come and go. And of course, it's not malicious intent when someone takes off with the documents because it happened to be connected to their personal Gmail versus something that belongs to the organization. So you can go and you can Google, Google workspace for not-for-profit or for nonprofit. And then you jump through a couple of hoops to make sure that, that you can prove that to them. And they will give you that free account. And with that free account, you can set up email addresses for each one of the volunteers who would need a dedicated address. And the way that I see it is it allows them to wear their volunteer hat and, and then take that hat off and then not be wearing it, right? So it allows them to go and, and immerse themselves in that volunteer work, but not have it be completely entangled with their everyday life. And so it gives them an email account. It gives them a dedicated calendar and Google Drive. And you can create network drives within Google Drive for uh, you know, document creation or storage or photo storage or any kind of data storage. And then the organization owns all of it. And so when someone comes and goes, an email address can be passed along to someone else. The data, the files, those don't disappear because they are all inside. And again, it requires a little bit of tech savvy. You definitely have to have your users be on board with how that all works. Um, but that would be a very easy solution and a very cost effective one because it's free. Yeah. And I mean, any nonprofit that's out there, even if you do 
have to just file a postcard return, some of the smaller groups that's just a postcard, then you're building up to a 990 EZ, then you're into a full 990, and then you're getting into audited financials. There's so much paperwork that you have to retain. I mean, you have to retain your application in the United States when you're doing your 1023, which is the IRS application for nonprofit status. I mean, you have to keep that along with your bylaws, your incorporation papers, your articles of the organization, all of that needs to be saved forever, really. And so is this the place where we would save these documents? I think it's brilliant because, again, again that, that component, you know, just because it's a not-for-profit doesn't mean there's not money coming in and out, doesn't mean there isn't a treasurer, doesn't mean there's not taxes being filed as the not, with that not-for-profit status. And so using those network drives, setting up a file structure and giving access to the relevant people within the organization so that they can not only contribute, but also see and track what files are being gathered. Um, I think that's just like, a, first of all, yes, it does 100% do that. And second of all, it is just a no brainer to make sure that your organization is doing that because you save yourself a lot of administrative time by being organized up front, by setting up a system and a space to be organized, then you definitely save yourself time when it comes to like the deadlines of filing, <laughs> filing taxes and whatnot. Right. And I have to say, I am the guilty soul who back in the day when I was running the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, and this was before Google and Google Docs and all that kind of stuff. But I had 13 piles of papers that had stacked up in my office with like adding to the mailing list and you know, donation entries and all of that kind of stuff and catching up. And there was a time where it, it, you know, I couldn't kick that can down the road anymore. I had to start getting that information put in and I had to get help. Obviously it was beyond me. I had to ask for help, which is okay to do. It's okay to ask for help. You don't have to be the only one doing this. And, um, you know, we got everything caught up, but you know, again, as you're saying, set everything up ahead of time and, you know, set on your calendar. And this is something that, that you have said in some of the office hours that you've held is, you know, set your calendar and make sure you stay caught up and, and maintaining, you know, the information. And on that, that train of thought, I wanted to ask you about your thoughts around email. So you, you talked about creating your own organizational email. I feel like we're inundated. We're slammed by email. And you use filters, I think, brilliantly. But, you know, share a little bit about how to sort of tame that, that email challenge out there. For sure. Well, I think there's, I think there is a really, really big difference. I hope there's a big difference for people who do separate business and personal or personal and volunteer. Because, you know, there, there are, you know, newsletters and mailing lists that we like to be on and we like to see. And it doesn't mean that we necessarily have to or want to unsubscribe usually around, <laughs> it usually happens for me around Black Friday when everybody and their sister starts emailing you because they're, they've got some deal and they want you to buy something. That's usually when I end up on like an, oh, I've had enough unsubscribe spree. The way that I use filters is in conjunction with labels. So inside of Gmail webmail, and I'm just going to divert for a moment and say that if you're using Gmail webmail, you should 100% for sure be using the Gmail app on your phone instead of whatever mail app comes with your phone. So if you're an iPhone user, you've got your mail app and you might be getting your Gmail emails. I would recommend taking a look at the Gmail app that you can find in the Apple um, the Apple App Store um, because 
it will behave very, very similarly to your desktop or to when you're sitting at your computer. And so when you archive something or file something or reply, all of that has a very similar interface. And so the continuity between you who's on your phone and you who's at your computer is heightened. So with, and, the, and a, why I'm preloading my conversation about labels with this is that the interface is really similar and you can see the labels really beautifully inside of the Gmail app, the way that you can similarly to the way that you can see it on your computer. So labels in Gmail, and I, and I say this because so many of us see labels as folders and actually they're not, it can behave that way. You can put something in a, a, a label as if you've put it in a folder, but the labels can actually uh, have even more functionality because you can label a single email with more than one thing. So you can you can tag it with action items um, with the labels themselves. So you would basically create labels for different things. And I'll get to the filtering in a moment. But you kind of need um, if you're gonna if you're gonna automate something that happens to an incoming message to an incoming email. You don't want to just like I mean maybe maybe you just want to archive it and not see it and not file it but sometimes you actually want to take note of it. So here's an example. Let's say you sign up for an online course and that course creator is going to send you emails and you want not to see it in your inbox because I'm taking this course at my own pace. I don't want to be bothered whenever you email me. But what you might might do is you might create a label for either courses, all of them, or for that particular person. And you can automate all of the emails that come in. You can click on the um, advanced search at the top. You can choose certain criteria. It will show you behind behind on the screen what emails fall into the criteria that you've listed. And then you say create filter. And within that filtering, you can say skip the inbox and add it to this label. And then you save that filter. Now, what happens is that every time that person, that email address sends you a message, it goes directly to that folder, not folder, that label. And then the thing that I love to do, and this is a little pro tip, is that on those little filters, and this is something you have to set up from your computer, by the way, I can't do this. You can't set these up on your phone, but you can have the functionality of it. Um, on those labels on the left-hand side of your inbox, you can click on the three dots and you can say, show only if unread. And then that label will turn black instead of, you know, bold instead of regular um, whenever there's something new in it. But it is not landing in your inbox and clogging your inbox. So that's like a small example, but you can start creating filters like that through, as you look through your emails, what are the things that don't need to land in my inbox? What are the things that I want to reference? I want access to, I don't necessarily want to miss them, but I don't want it clogging up my inbox. And so you would pick, you know, take, take, take a glass of wine or, you know, put on an episode of friends, or, you know, sit down on the couch, whatever. You don't have to do this all in one sitting, but you can chip away and slowly tame your inbox simply by automating what, what happens. And I will even sometimes, uh, you know, have some, you have like a promo tab and an inbox. I will sometimes specifically um, flag emails to be in my inbox. I have stuff that come in with a label to it to, I have a label called to be entered in QuickBooks. I actually have that in my, because I'm the treasurer for this not-for-profit that I work for. So I have the same, I have the same behavior, but you know, if, some, if a notification comes in that's financial in nature, I automate it so that it comes in to be entered in QuickBooks um, or, or I'll label it as like anything coming in from Amazon. I label it automatically as orders. So there's lots of little tricks like that, but it's the thinking ahead of like, what's the, what's the, when am I going to need it in the future and how am I going to use this? And then setting up that system for yourself. 
That's fantastic. You know, it seems like, oh, this is so obvious. This should be so obvious, but we don't do it. We don't do all these things that really can help save our time. I mean, I know one thing you just said in there too was like unsubscribe. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I go through like every quarter, I have one of these bad days and I'm just like, ding, 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 ding. And I try and tighten it up. But now I'm on the kick where I feel like I get the same newsletter, like four different emails. And I'm like, okay, which email is it most important that I connect this newsletter to and make sure I just get one of them rather than the same newsletter at, at four of them, just trying to be real. And, you know, because the other thing that you have stressed a lot is, you know, each click counts, <laughs> you know, you want to make sure that you're doing as few clicks as possible to get where you need to go. Yes. Is your organization struggling to keep up with the needs of your community? Well, great news. Dubert.com can help solve that problem for you with their companion case management module. It allows you to create cases for all your clients' needs. Send emails and text messages right from the system. And with Dubert's powerful, innovative thinking, you can also set up and initiate workflows that will pretty much do the hard work for you. Exciting, right? Check it out and learn more at www.dubert.com to get started today. Ever wanted to quickly connect, collaborate, or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are, you know, real people? Look no further than Maddie's Pet Forum. Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum. Come for an answer. Stay for the community. I think there's also, you know, you, you made a comment about time and I've made a comment about time. I think the other thing is bandwidth. So it's about how much attention is being pulled by whatever it is that's, you know, so in your inbox, you know, this is a lifelong problem. And especially it's just getting worse and worse as we continue through life and collect more subscriptions to things. But the key is how can I keep my attention focused? How can I make sure that what's in my inbox matters and requires some kind of action or some kind of response? And I don't want stuff in my inbox. Uh, I'll acknowledge it and then I'll archive it. And I think actually, let me just, I know we talked about filtering and automation, but within Gmail, I want to make sure that everyone who's listening, who uses Gmail knows that you can archive a message and all that it means is that it is no longer in the inbox, but it is still inside of all mail and you can still find it through search. So you don't have to put it in a it put a label on it or put it in a label like as if it's a folder in order to get it out of your inbox. And so one of the things that I do is I just aggressively archive. I think to myself, no, I'm not going to read this later. And I just archive it. And I, I just decided at a certain point, I reached that like breaking point. And I'm like, I'm going to be honest with myself and say, no, I'm not going to get to that later. And then just archive it. Right. Are you a believer of uh, inbox zero or, I mean, I know there are some people who have like, 10,000 emails in their inbox and that's how they operate. And I'm more of the, like, I try to have the tidy, empty email and, you know, file away for when I need to get to that topic or I sort of, I, I project things together and then I go back into that folder and I work in that topic for the same time and clean it mm -hmm. up. And sorry, I use label like folder there. Sorry. Yeah, I know. But I heard you. <laughs> anyway, so, but I, I, I do that. Do, is there one best practice over another or is it just the way people work? I think that it's really personal. I think that if you have 10,000 emails in your inbox, all that it's really happening is that things are going to, it, 
it's it's like um, I don't know if you've ever heard the broken window theory where it's like a, a derelict building just gets more and more derelict because it's already got broken windows. And so it's really similar. You know, once you reach this point of no return, it, it's easy to just keep piling more onto it. What I really like to do is, I, I mean, I think inbox zero is a bit of a misnomer because it's impossible to it for it to be zero because there's only so much we can do at any given moment. And so I think we have to give ourselves a little bit of grace and say, and this is the way I do it, is that what's in my inbox still needs my attention. So if there's something that I'm going to have to do, if I'm going to want to read it, then I will leave it in my inbox. And so that might be a couple of dozen messages, whether it's, and, I, and I've, I've started cleaning things up. For example, I give the example of Amazon. So anything that I order online, not just from Amazon, but from anywhere, I actually, the moment they land in my inbox, I put it in an orders label. So they, they are now out of sight, but I know that I'm still expecting them and I know where I can find all of them at, at one click. And the same thing with um, anything related to taxes, I'll immediately put away and take out of the inbox. And the other thing is travel. So if I buy a plane ticket and I'm traveling in six months or three months or you know far off in the future, I don't want to leave that email in my inbox. I put it in a travel label. So I think that the inbox should ideally, like if somebody has 10,000 messages, um, I actually have a really simple uh, exercise that I take people through for in- inbox to get to. Uh, to get it down to a dull roar. And that is to skim through and see what are, you know, in the last one, two, three, four weeks, what are the emails that I actually do need to do something with? And putting those aside, then taking absolutely everything else and archiving all of it, and then bringing those ones that you need back into the inbox. And once you create that kind of like clean slate for yourself, it's actually a lot easier and you're less likely to just let it pile up because it's already a mess, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. No, that's, that's, that's really great advice. One other thing that I've utilized with one of the organizations that I work with, we have like a Google voice voice number and mm-hmm. that they just get a voicemail. People leave messages and then that goes straight into the email. Oh, that's smart. And so that then that keeps all the emails as well as the phone calls in the same place. And so if you're a small nonprofit, you don't want to be tied to the phone, have to answer the phone all day long you know, you can get a Google voice number and then the messages and, and you can even get it so that it comes up as text, you know, rather than having even to listen to the voice message. Oh, that's um, a really great feature. We don't have, I'm in Canada. Yep. We don't have Google voice here. So I actually haven't ever used it, which is unfortunate because I'm sure it would be something that I'd be teaching about if I had. Yeah. So it's very handy for, you know, a nonprofit that's being run basically by five people. So it really works well because there's not a lot of bandwidth there for sure. So that's another little handy, handy tool. Um, Dara, just share with us and I'm going to go on the docket. This is not a sponsored, you know, conversation or anything like that, but I have taken your course. I have purchased your course. I think it is fantastic. Wonderful. Obviously I've become one of, I hope one of your best fans, very excited. And I just think that if we all had these skills in our back pocket, we'd be able to do so much more for the cats in our community and help others. I mean, I'm not even getting into automated messaging. And I can't tell you how many times I write the same email over and over again, based on certain requests. And there's so many things where you can memorize things, you know, just trying to give folks a little flavor, but tell us a little bit about the various courses that you offer. Yeah. So I, the, the course that I'm best known for is called Get Productive with G Suite. Um, G Suite is what Google Workspace used to be called. It's not because the course is outdated. I actually intentionally named it that way because Google Workspace is a mouthful. Um, and what it basically teaches is each one of the components. So you, it covers 
Um, first of all, just Google accounts in general and like how it can be kind of confusing to have multiple Google accounts and switching between them and logging into more than one in the same browser can cause some problems. So I, I really talk about like the structure of Google accounts and how that all works. And then there's a module for each one of the different tools. There's a full module on Gmail. There's a module on Google Drive. And each one of them comes with a component of like how to get that clean slate and then how to move forward with a better system. So each one of these tools, uh, I talk about calendars in one of the modules. I talk about contacts in one of the modules. I talk about Google Chrome, which we often disregard how valuable it can be to be efficient inside of our web browser. I don't know about you, but if, if I'm on my computer, I am spending 90% of my time opening and closing different uh, tabs and different uh, websites. And I'm doing tons of things all the time. And the more efficient I can be with that, the better off I am. And so I love, I actually think Google Chrome is one of the most under uh, utilized or like under people don't pay as much attention to Chrome as something they should optimize. That's probably the best way to put it. Um, and then, and there's a bunch of little bonus trainings as well. But the whole idea is the people who tend to buy the course feel like they aren't on top of things. And so this, the course essentially is getting people to a place where not only do they have that clean slate, but then they can build on it with a bunch of new skills and understanding of how how the tools could work better for them. Um, and you mentioned, uh, you know, typing up the same emails all the time. You know, there's something called save templates inside of Gmail and you'd have to activate it. And then you can save over and over and over again, the different emails that you might write. And unfortunately you can't pull those saved replies on your phone, uh, but it definitely, if you're sitting at your computer, it makes it a lot easier. And um, I, I use it all the time. Um, and I, 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 I live and die by <laughs> by my save templates because because it saves me from having to like open up a document and copy and paste. So there's just all kinds of things that you didn't know you didn't know. And that is, um, you know, the kind of the primary course. I know you said, what are the other courses? I have a separate course that teaches Google Docs and Sheets and Slides and Forms and Google Photos in a couple of, uh, by the time this podcast recording is going to be out, I also have something called Inbox Superhero which is for mostly for business people who have a virtual assistant and how to delegate your inbox over to someone else to manage. And I also teach about LastPass, which we haven't touched on yet, but LastPass is a password manager. Um, and that is like truly the lifesaver of lifesaver uh, applications that I use in, in my daily life and business. Yeah, let's talk about passwords. So many of us, myself included, have pieces of paper with passwords on them. And so tell me about LastPass. Tell me about what's our vulnerability with regards to passwords as a nonprofit. And how does LastPass help us be a bit safer with our passwords, I guess? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to definitely touch on those things. So LastPass is a password manager. And what that means is that it's like a vault full of anything that you decide that you're going to trust it to keep for you. And it is one of many password managers. So it is not the be all and end all. It just happens to be the one that I use. And therefore, it's the one that I teach about. But and it has a beautiful free version. So you can sign up as an individual for a free LastPass account. And if you choose to upgrade, it's, you know, maybe 40 or $50 a year. So it's not astronomically expensive. Once you start to see the brilliance of relying on a password manager, you will understand why it's worth investing a few dollars in if you want to upgrade to some subsequent layers of what the what the application can do for you. So specifically, LastPass will work in your web browser and it will prompt you, do you want to save this password? And you can then choose to store passwords in there. 
Why it becomes so helpful is not only because you're not going to suddenly click forgot password in order to log into things that you haven't been into before. So there's just so much to say. So it will remember your passwords for you. You have a single password that lets you into LastPass. So you log in and then everything's there. It's it's called a vault, but it's a great, I mean, they call it a vault. I'm calling it a vault. It's a great word to describe how it keeps all of these things secure. But you can store all kinds of things in there. So I have a picture of my passport, picture of some insurance documents that I, I attach and I store inside of LastPass because the other thing that LastPass allows you to do, and the, this is the reason that I use it, is that you can share with other LastPass users. So I have a you know a series of things in my household that I want to make sure my husband also has those logins. And so I will send that to him through LastPass and I've shared that item. And if I update it on my side, then it updates on his side. Now it isn't a live sync. He has to like log out and log in. So it's not like if I change it right this minute that it automatically changes on his end. But one of the other things that that does is it gives me uh, control over who I've given out passwords to. So if you work in an offer profit, let's say you have a LastPass account and you are giving out some passwords to some people by using LastPass and, and their sharing feature. If that person leaves, if there's some kind of reason to retract or to change a password, you actually have a record of it because I can't tell you the number of people who are just like, you know, sending a password by a text or verbally giving it over the phone. Are you going to remember who you've given certain passwords out to? Absolutely not. So not only do I use LastPass to save the hundreds of passwords that I have for all kinds of things, it also helps me track who I have shared what with. So I have an assistant. If that assistant leaves, I know all of the 27 things I've given her access to, and that allows me the security of going in and changing them. It also, one last thing I'll say, is that it allows me to choose really nice, complex passwords. So gone are the days of using like, PA dollar sign dollar sign W zero R D exclamation point as my password. Not that I ever did, but you'd be surprised. That's probably really common. And that the, the now I can use passwords that I don't have to remember because LastPass does that for me. All right. So I've got that on my to do too. I have LastPass. I've used some of it, but I I I don't utilize it the way it should be utilized. So it's okay. making. It do you have the course? No, I don't. I'm- because I, okay. I don't think it's in that in that package that I have. So I will I'll make sure I'll make sure that I add that on for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's wonderful. I mean, I between that and I mean, I'm not going to go down another road on the time management side of things, but I've just gotten involved using uh, project management software also with my team. And I think it's been phenomenal. And I highly recommend groups that are working together on different projects where there's multiple people involved that they work with uh, with project management too. So Dara, if folks are interested in getting any of your courses, how would they find you? They would go to withdara.com. It's kind of my, I mean, it's my website. So it's the hub for all the things that I offer. And I know that you're going to include an affiliate link to the, to the course that we were just talking about to get productive with G Suite uh, in the show notes. And so, yeah, but if you want to come stalk me online, I'm at withdara.com and I have something, there's a freebie on my website called the top 40 Google hacks you'll wish you'd been using all along. And it's a 40 some odd page Google document, but basically it has a bunch of little recipes and it's all those little tricks and, and tips that we talked, we teased about. Well, there's 40 of my 40 favorites 
are inside of this document. And uh, I just noticed the other day that I've had over a thousand people download it. So it's a very well-received and valuable, it's a, I call it a freebie uh, because you have to sign up for it and you get it for free, but it is uh, definitely very valuable. And it certainly took me a long time to put together. Excellent. That's fantastic. I, I'm sure people will take advantage of that opportunity. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? No, I think I just want to thank you for everything that you do. And I think not only are you doing wonderful things for cats and the the world at large, but also by serving other people who do the same is uh, admirable. And, and I'm grateful for you and the passion that you have for, for helping and making the world a better place. Oh, thank you. And I can't, I just think you're a phenomenal teacher. We didn't even talk about your, your teaching presence. Everything is done on video. You're very clear. You do a lot of screen sharing. I think from a virtual education standpoint, someone who puts a lot of virtual education together, you do a phenomenal job. So thank you so much, Dara. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And I look forward to having you on the show in the future. Thank you very much. Wonderful conversation. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening. And thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. (laughs) 